Hey everyone, this is Dr. Hal. The GeoTrek podcast takes you around the world as we explore the interface between humans and nature with a special focus on weather, climate, and natural landscapes. On this episode of the podcast, we move in the opposite direction as we explore how to bring forests and green space to you in various urban environments, including your home or business. We're always trying to bring relevant and creative podcasts to you. Please subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss out on any episodes. Your subscription also helps helps us track progress and establish professional partnerships moving forward. This is a highly applicable episode for anyone interested in adding green space to their home, business, or community. Join in on the online discussion about this topic on our Facebook group called GeoTrek The Community. I'll provide a few discussion questions at the end of this episode. I recorded this episode with Jonathan Taylor, live at the Andromeda District showroom in Coral Gables, Florida. Jonathan is the CEO and co-founder of Andromeda District. He's an innovator and multi-talented professional. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on the GeoTrek podcast. Thank you for this conversation, for sure. Man, I'm so impressed. I'm here in your new showroom, basically, here in Coral Gables. It is beautiful. Just to give everyone a visual, I'm just looking around at green walls and plants and tropical foliage and a very lush environment here in this indoor showcase in Coral Gables. This is so exciting to see your new place here. Yes, it is. Actually, it's a pretty unique place because people think automatically when they see a lot of plants, they are, you know, associate that with a nursery or, you know, the a garden center. And we are all of those things, but mostly dedicated to the urban life and how plants basically uh, interact with us in, in urban settings. So this is a showroom dedicated to green living walls, vertical gardens. Uh, we have exterior and interior applications. And as an extension of that, we also have plant holders. We help uh, people with, you know, all plant needs, you know, for, for, for design and essentially you know people come with their you know projects like a lobby or dining room or living room and and we just set them up with plants that really do well in those spaces and yeah it's more of a consulting kind of service where we help people kind of you know just bridge that gap and be more connected with nature you know, with GeoTrek, we have a big focus on getting out there in the world and exploring the environment and going out in the forest. What you're doing is basically bringing the forest yeah. and nature and green space into cities and people's homes, right? And offices and commercial space. That's exactly what we do. Yes. And we've been doing it already for 10 years. We're just glad that we're here at the service of the community, helping people. You know, a lot of people come here. It's like, wow, thank you for being here. We don't have a plant store anywhere near. Uh, you know, we service the Brickle area, the downtown area. So there's no space really for, you know, for plants or dedicated to plants in a in a jungle of concrete, you know, like downtown. So we're just really glad to be here uh, right off uh, US-1 and, you know, just helping people. And that's exactly right. We just bring the jungle to people, but we know where people are. So we sort of have a curated list of plants that we work with that we know are going to do well, especially even those people that want to, you know, buy synthetic plants and they say that they, they want synthetic plants because it requires so little to no maintenance 
at all, we, we say, okay, we do have just the thing, but it's actually natural and it's organic and we're going to help you with that. If that is how your routine is, is how your life goes, uh, you don't want to have to think about plants as much. We have a, a variety of plants that will, you know, will just be right for you, you know. Well, let, so let's talk about this. So maybe you have yeah. someone with a very busy life and they're yeah. saying, hey, I want some greenery in my life, in my business, but I can't take time every day to water or I travel on business. Yeah. I can't be here to water. Your focus is the natural landscape, but it, it sounds like there are natural plants that you've de- designed systems that they hydrate and they water themselves. So correct. Uh, I mean, you know, we also, you know, have a service which, you know, we uh, help people connect irrigation. So this is like smart irrigation, which works with all of our green walls, right? So we have a timer that is basically programmed and waters all the plants automatically. So that is something that we offer. We know how people live. So we say, okay, let's just make this automatic okay and have plants you know survive and thrive the only thing people have to do is just enjoy you know the plant world and and enjoy the plants they don't have to really be doing anything in terms of that but when they do have a planter not a green wall but a planter and they don't have anywhere any water source or anything like that Uh, We try to connect with people in terms of their routines, right? So if they say, my routine is only on Sundays, I can actually take care of a plant, then we will say, okay, here is a list of plants that will do really phenomenal in in a space like yours, and it will accommodate to your routine. If someone has to travel a lot and all that, but they want something, we can recommend something, let's say, like a Sansevieria. A Sansevieria is a plant that if you don't water it for three weeks, nothing is going to happen. It's going to be perfectly fine. But when you come back, you can water it and uh, it's going to still be good and thrive. It's actually one of the top air cleaners out there. You know, in spite of not requiring so much water, it's a very resilient plant if you have it out in the sun. But it, it could acclimate itself also if it's inside with AC. So Jonathan, a few questions. So you said you really try to get to know your customer and know their needs. I'd imagine frequency of watering is is one issue. Probably also the amount of sun and is it direct sun or indirect sun? Uh, what if someone you know just completely indoors, but they have some windows in, in the room? I mean, is that something you can work with for indoor as well? Yeah. So the way that typically goes is people come here and they say, "I want a plant," and then we ask immediately after where is this plant going? And then they say, oh, it's going in my dining room. Do you have windows there? Do you have a, a door sill? What, what do you have? And they, they will tell me or show me a picture. Yeah, we have indirect sun from the mornings or from the evenings. And uh, we get a little bit of sun here in this corner and that. And and so... They basically give you the lay of their, their area. Exactly. So we look at a lot of places here in, in South Florida have a lot of light. And so we were able to work with them on on that front and uh, based on that we say okay here it is let's take a look at this one right here and that one how high are your ceilings if you have 12 feet uh, 12 feet you know high yeah. ceilings then we can recommend you know a fiddle leaf or a maginata or a bird of paradise and you know even palms right now what's really trending is this olive trees as well that look of uh, the olive trees really people are you know looking for this a lot so, you know, we can recommend that. And that is more on the aesthetics, right? But we also have customers that come and say, I would like to set up a green wall with edibles or with herbs. 
And so we set that up also. Okay. Interesting. So we're getting into now vegetative gardens, like edible yeah. plants, herbs, things like that. So I would imagine this could be maybe a restaurant or just a homeowner that says, I actually want to grow herbs that I use in my cooking. Yes. Uh, or even just someone who is more in a holistic kind of uh, looking at life in a different way now. And they want to become more sustainable and uh, produce their own herbs, uh, produce their own uh, food. You know, the green walls actually have we have firsthand experience. We have grown uh, rosemary, mint, thyme. Uh, we have also done uh, basil, you know, Italian basil. Uh, we have done also cilantro. So all of these herbs that are really good for your health, you, know, you can grow them in our you know, containers, in our green walls. Yeah. So uh, if people are growing herbs like that, is that more commonly that it's in a green wall? It's, it's basically a, a vertical wall where they can go and clip off the rosemary or clip off the cilantro. That's exactly how it happens. So in this particular case, we recommend for this to have at least four to six hours of sun. So when we do have the sun, if you have a wall that is like blank wall or even a door somewhere where you don't have, uh, you, you do have a lot of sun coming in or a lot of light, then in that we can just basically, you know, give you a setup of, you know, our panels. Uh, you attach them to the door, connect the water, and you're good to go. We just, you know, also provide you with the plant, the plant material. We typically just do a four to six inch uh, foliage uh, with established roots already. And then that just gets to be planted on the on the panel and, you know, packed with soil. After that, basically the plant grows. And uh, in a matter of two weeks, you have to already clip it. And all of that actually will work for your cooking and for your shakes or your smoothies and you have a lot of, you know, supplemental food for you. You know, there's been a focus on people knowing where their food comes from. And, and, and one step of that could be, you know, going to a, a farmer's market or going to a place where you know where they're getting it. But this is a step even beyond that, where you're actually growing it. You're actually clipping those herbs to put in your evening meal. <laughs> Yes, and not only that, we've seen a sweet potato uh, grow in our panels. We right now have a few projects where we have pineapple growing, and we have the, the small pineapples actually growing out of the pocket. It's amazing to see it all. I mean, we, we're, we're grateful to God, you know, for allowing us to be in this space. In part, you know, when we saw that COVID happened, the morale was uh, pretty down for a lot of people. And they just, you know, couldn't take the news anymore and things. So this was a very good way to kind of, you know, get out of that cycle of just receiving bad news and things and just kind of having something else in your, in your mind. And it, it reminded us that, you know, after World War II, governments had actually what they call victory gardens. And these Victory Gardens was actually, you know, there were initiatives that were created to actually help people with their morale, you know. And, and it was so amazing for us that we saw that this happened, you know, a repeat of this, where people just, you know, started growing their own herbs and growing their own food, you know, just to have a, you know, a much more positive perspective of life, you know. There's something of hope where when you water plants and see them grow or th that you're feeling like you're connected with the earth, you're connected with a larger world out there, right? And then like in your 
airspace, you're actually bringing this into an urban environment. And we know during COVID, a lot of people either were forced to stay home or chose to stay home. So for you to bring the forest to their home, I think it probably made a difference and gave a lot of hope to a lot of people. Exactly. That's exactly what we were striving to do. And in a lot of things, you know, we didn't plan too much, but we just just kind of happened that way, kind of developed that way. Jonathan, we talked about the aesthetics. I mean, we're here in your showroom. It looks amazing. Like, I want to, like, move in here. I mean, this is just like, it's like I'm in a rainforest in Central America. It's great. Uh, But then we also talked about uh, edibles and how people may grow herbs or things like that that they can actually use for food in their their evening meal. Uh, But you mentioned before there's a plant that actually cleans the air. So that's another thing is actually plants cleaning air or maybe giving us healthier air to breathe. Yeah, so I mean the plant world it's uh it's been here with us. I think that what we're doing is just closing that gap, helping people, you know, even if you have a small one bedroom apartment out in the city to be able to grow your own things, to you know, just enjoy the benefits of nature, to get to know your plants, you know, you have uh the sansevierias which you know, are highly recommended even in, in, in a bedroom because they clean the air. They remove all the toxins out of the air. Uh, they sequester the carbon dioxide and they in turn reproduce clean oxygen. And, you know, they're very good for you. So, I mean, those are, you know, things that we do. And I, I feel that, you know, more people need to know about all of this because we have enough plastic in the world, you know? We need some pure products and and products that can help us actually get better and improve the quality of our space improve the quality of our life. And that synthetic plant might look good from a distance, but it's not creating clean air. You know, it's not um, really improving the quality of your air. Another thing that, and this gets into how you and I met, I'm a climate scientist. In 2018, I moved to Miami. I think I met you in a church service and I told you I'm a climate scientist. You said, wait, I want to talk to you. So, uh, and, and to explain the backstory of this, what I loved about Andromeda District is they're not only a small business, they're entrepreneurs, they're bringing plants into the urban environment. But um, Jonathan, you were very interested in understanding the science behind even how plants could cool the environment. So I only knew you for a few days. You paid me to get thermometers and do a test to see are our green walls actually cooling the space as well. I, I don't know if you remember that little experiment yeah. we did. Yeah. So, I mean, we're all about value, right? And, and substance. So, you know, what can we do to just, you know, improve and have the, you know, sort of like the receipts yeah. to show yeah. it, you know? Exactly. Uh, and we, of course, know we have a lot of data that shows us, you know, that, you know, how green walls have improved and urban life. And, you know, for us, it was just an effort to to have a, a more uh, validation of what we already knew that plants could do. And, you know, every time we have a chance to, you know, connect, you know, just science yeah. and, and the backdrop of what we are already doing, we are going to take that chance because it is needed. And it's also we need to just be able to simplify also what we're doing and how is this impacting yeah. people in their lives, you know? And so if we show them, okay, here is, you know, the data, this is how, you know, uh, at the end of the day, people can interpret the data the way they want to. But uh, we just want to give reassurance and, uh, you know, just have a validation of, you know, that what we're doing it's, uh, is the correct path, is the correct way. And I remember what we've actually found in that experiment we did was green walls do cool the environment yeah. through evaporative cooling. So 
It's like when we get out of a swimming pool in the summertime and the breeze blows or we feel cold. That's evaporative cooling. And, and the plants are doing that, right? Because they're, uh, they're using evaporation and transpiration. It's actually cooling the environment, which is really important for a city like Miami that has a, a lot of heat in the summertime, especially. You know, we know that it's beautiful and everything on the outside, but what it, in practical terms is doing in terms of energy consumption, we were interested in seeing how these systems can cool down the temperature and the building and the building facade. And in turn, uh, this has, uh, of course, an effect where you know, the energy consumption inside of the building is a lot less because it's organically cooling the building. And so it, it was really good to just see it firsthand and to actually see the thermometers actually, you know, you doing the, the work there. I remember that it was just really great to, to get a first look at all of this. Yeah. And for the architects and urban planners that are listening to this, you know, we know that color has a big impact on trapping heat in cities. It's something called albedo or reflux activity, a lighter color has a higher albedo. So we know that white in theory should be the coolest thing out there. But what we actually did with the Andromeda experiment, we took thermometers and we placed them just off of a white wall. So white concrete or white stucco. And then we took other thermometers, placed them just off the vegetation. In theory, white's supposed to be the coolest thing, but plants were actually even cooler than a white concrete wall. So it was showing the evaporative cooling was actually even more efficient than just painting a, a concrete wall white, if that makes sense. So we often talk about the earth urban heat island, how these cities are trapping heat. And with global warming, climate change, it's a big concern with human health. What we found in the study was that having a plant, having a vegetated wall, it's actually the coolest thing that you can have. And especially late afternoon or evening, when the, the walls and the, the concrete is, is absorbing all of this heat and re-releasing it, the vegetated walls, because of evaporative cooling, were actually um, quite a bit cooler. Exactly. And so imagine if this wall, of course, if you have a blank wall now, you can think about that blank wall being, you know, uh, actually a top uh, producer of uh, herbs and, you know, vegetated space. So it's, uh, you know, what we looked at uh, before as avoided concrete space, now it could turn into, you know, a space full of life, full of biodiversity, and also, you know, just help with bees and butterfly populations and help with the environment and at the same time you know just cool the building which in turn will you know consume less energy well, and that helps pay for itself too, right? Because someone might say, well, okay, so I have to, it, it does cost some money to get a green wall up or do vegetation, but wow, if, if I'm cooling my space, then I'm lowering my energy bills. Exactly. That's exactly right. So it, it does help to pay for itself on top of the health benefits and everything as well. Jonathan, just so exciting to see what you're doing here, bringing nature and plants and the environment into urban space and into people's homes and businesses. So let's, let's go back and start with you, you know, growing up, was there someone in your family that that love plants and nature or like wh where did this interest in your life come from thank you for asking that question i mean i just remember ever since i was a kid like uh, in uh you know drawing assignments that we had that i was always drawing a tree and i remember exactly how this tree was because you know i keep uh, just you know looking when i close my eyes in my first drawings as a kid were trees like if you're in art class in school or something like that, exactly. you're drawing trees. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, of course, uh, I don't know if you know this, but both of my parents uh, passed away and, um, and I grew up with my grandparents, okay? So uh, when they passed away, I was uh, one year old and uh, I was 16 months old. 
and I uh, was essentially a toddler. I was born here in Miami, but uh, my grandparents were in Honduras. So, you know, we just, you know, my grandparents basically essentially took over and they, um, you know, they raised us. And essentially I was raised by my grandmother and my grandfather. And so both of them, uh, my grandfather has uh, had a farm and uh, with horses, with cows, you know, he had like pigs and, you know, all kinds of animals. And uh, my grandmother, she grew up her own, like if she, if she was going to do a soup or like a stew or something, she, she will, you know, essentially kill the, the, you know, the chicken and do it and take everything out and then go to the garden and get some onions, some potatoes and some cilantro. And wow, so very holistic. She's just, yeah. she's killing the chicken, uh, getting the, the vegetables, just getting it herself from her property, from, from what she's yeah. grown. Yeah. So we knew firsthand this, you know, and this is how she did it and how she cooked uh, for us. And um, even though through the 90s, like, uh, you know, McDonald's and Burger King, all of these uh, restaurants were so available in uh, Honduras, we, we just didn't do that. I mean, she, she was just very uh, holistic in that, like you say. And we grew up this way. My grandfather from my dad's side, he was also uh, an agricultural pro. So he grew oranges, bananas, and you know, our family from the Taylor side of the family are, you know, basically very invested in agriculture back uh, in Honduras. And, and actually our ancestors, you know, were from a place called Sample, Texas. And, you know, they, they moved to Honduras to do the first, uh, essentially grow the bananas there for a company called the Standard Company back in the 1920s and so you know from the taylor side you know all of the taylors they stayed there they didn't come back to america they act i mean to united states they stayed in honduras and developed basically all of that and they stay there and so three generations later with my dad we we basically kind of were exposed to all of that also so this makes sense so if if you could get in a time machine and go back and see yourself as a kid and tell your seven-year-old self what happened in your life that you're doing a drama in a district would you maybe not be that surprised to see how it how it played out yeah no surprise at all and i i i went to business school but it felt like at some point everything kind of was surrounding me, you know, everything was just green all the time. So I was not intentionally doing it, but it was kind of like part of my DNA and it was just there. And even if I wasn't consciously saying I'm going to be doing a green business, you know, dedicated to plant, it, it was kind of my subconscious was actually... Uh, you know, attracting all of these things. And suddenly I saw myself surrounded by plants, you know, yeah. again and again and again, and or just, you know, having appreciation to tree houses and, you know, things like that. In architecture, I got to, yeah. you know, be exposed to a lot of those things. So yeah, it's just something that, you know, taps into your passion, into, you know, what you love. And God gifted me with uh, creativity. You know, I think we all have some, some level of creativity, but my exposure to plants very early on allowed me to kind of not have that fear that a lot of people have, which, 
you know, people say, oh, I don't have a green thumbs or I, I don't, you know, even if you don't know these things, even if you don't know the plants, you could get to be a pro if you just let yourself go and just, you know, appreciate plants, you know, one by one. And you get to see them, how they react and how they behave uh, over time. You get to know, okay, on this project, I'm going to use A, B, Z, D, and E. And uh, sure enough, you know, they do tremendously well because you get now, you get to know them. Yeah, Jonathan, so you explained your background with your family of growing yeah. things and being in the environment, being in natural settings, and you're doing a green business, but then also you've, it's, required you to be very creative and innovative. I mean, yeah. you're developing new things. I think even Andromeda has patents, right, of how to do planters. So you also have this business aspect where you've you've innovated and creative. You know, it's, it's not just a plant store. You're innovating and really developing things. Is, could you speak about that a little as well? Yeah, so my mom's side, I mean, she was uh, very much the entrepreneur of the family. She, she, you know, she just took anything and some family members say that she would even sell rocks if she could but it was very easy for her to do that and i think that uh literally that's what happened to us it's kind of in our dna so yeah so the business part is a different a uh, different animal but it's fueled by passion so it's uh you know we like people when we meet people, we really enjoy, you know, being with them and actually connecting with them, knowing their story, knowing all of that. So the first thing we think is how can we improve the conditions, you know, of, of someone's life? You know, how can we do better? How can we actually make something really good? I think people are very valuable. Right now, we live in a world that business is just, you know, how can we be profitable and that's it. We think differently. We think less concentrate on people and their needs and how we can actually do something good. Then the profit will follow. Yeah, the business takes care of itself. Yeah. Oh, just from the way you explain how you approach people, it sounds like you come alongside them to yeah. get to know them, to get to know their story and say, let me help you on the path you're on, as yeah. opposed to just trying to sell them a product. That is correct. Yeah, yeah, that's the distinction and that's how we, I think uh, after 10 years that has uh, served us very well. Even when we didn't have a lot of, uh, let's say, income to do marketing and things like that, people will come and say, hey, I came because my uncle, my aunt, my mom, you know, a friend of mine referred me to yeah. you guys. And so a lot of word of mouth and a lot of really positive, really good reviews too. And so we feel like if we do right by people and, and we take care of people, you know, people will take care of us too. Yeah, long term, long that's going to be your, your best thing, right? Because people yeah. say, wow, I had such a good experience with them. I felt, I felt cared for, you know, and then like you said, they tell their neighbors and friends and family. Yes, and that, you know, translates uh, to the environment also. You know, how can we improve uh, the life of this space? You know, you go to sometimes uh, apartment buildings and they don't have much of plants going on and, you know, things feel sad and, you know, we see how can we improve this and, and we have done that, you know, bring a, a life wall to a space and you could tell how people completely change, you know, our beloved senior grandparents also, you know, if we bring uh, something like a plant, you will see how they, you know, it completely changes everything. It changes if you're depressed, if you're not feeling, you know, really if you're having, you know, some 
sometimes mental health is uh, very prevalent in some areas and some communities. And if you have a plant or something to care for, you see how, you know, we just change our outlook of life and what that means and our participation in that. And, you know, we love to be part of that process and be actually, you know, enablers of that and provide the instruments that allow for that to happen. Okay, Jonathan, I have a surprise question. You're not going to see this one coming. When is the next time the Boston Red Sox are going to win the World Series? <laughs> and I ask that. You have not spent your entire life in tropical places, right? You spent time in New England, up by Boston, right? Yes, actually, I lived there five years, and uh, it was like one of the best times of my life. And yeah, I hope that, you know, very soon, and we don't have another stretch of 80 years before, you know, they win again. <laughs> what was that like? You, you know, grew up a lot in, in Miami and Honduras, and, and all of a sudden you're there in New England in the wintertime. What was that like for you? It was life-changing, of course. You know, I, I, I remember back at that time, there was just this wanting to grow in a different place or going somewhere else. And we knew that I, I knew inside that I had to, you know, just take the trip. And I think in our lives, we experience that where we feel like, you know, let's just go somewhere that we're not familiar with and just learn from scratch, you know, what's what's out there. And it really makes your world bigger, you know? Yeah, and I remember at that time, my English was, let's say, not too uh, sharp or <laughs> a little rough around the edges. And I said, okay, I, I need to sort of, Miami is very, as you know, very, a lot of people speak Spanish. I would say a good 85 to 90% of the population speaks Spanish here. So I felt like I wasn't being challenged, really, and um, I was like, no, let me um, come on. Were, were you in school up there? Yeah, I went to UMass, Boston, yeah, in Dorchester. And, you know, I, I went through the entire experience of taking the trains and just living that urban, very urban life. It was uh, something really special. I have fond memories and... Uh, it's something I wouldn't change for nothing. It was really and awesome. just to clarify, Jonathan, when I go to Boston, it's difficult for me to understand the English as well. So it's a different accent, right? It's completely different. Yeah, we learned that coffee and that, you know, these other things that are, you know, lobster and like things like that. Yeah, it's a different, it's a different world. But Bostonians are, you know, really, they're really special people. I mean, there is good, bad and ugly everywhere. But what I was, uh, I, I was blessed to know a lot of really cool and really special people, people that, you know, I, I, you know, I keep in my heart because of the special and how special of experience that we had, you know, learning, I mean, going through school over there, people are not so open to be your friend, you know, right off the bat, like here in Miami. But when they become your friends, they let you know that you mean something special to them. And uh, that's my experience with, with Boston. It's a really cool place. It's a joy. It's a, it's a very sports-driven place also. It's very cultured, and uh, they love and appreciate music. Uh, especially when it comes from instruments, right? So, yeah. yeah, for sure. And this gets into, I know a lot of what I see you doing here is tropical plants. We don't get freezes in South Florida. In Boston, we're obviously getting freezes. I know you did an extensive Andromeda District project in Nashville, Tennessee, which yeah. is warmer than Boston, but they're getting freezes up there. Yeah. I'm curious about that. Were those plants that were outdoor and deal with freezes, or was that more of an indoor project of what you were doing up in Nashville? 
so I mean it's similar what we uh, as we expand and have uh, seen we have been working with projects where you know people have seen the efficacy and how our green walls perform over time they don't look just great uh, and at first you know like the first two years but six ten years down the line you know they really give uh, a lot of return to you know to that investment and so you know we just uh, started to expanding and uh, yes you have plants that do really well and even in in like the darkest place of the forest and really cold weathers too what happens uh, with uh, nashville is that we use plants that you know will go dormant during the the winter so these are some outdoor projects up there yeah that you did. yeah okay. these are all outdoors it's actually our our largest installation and and today is the largest green living wall uh system in 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 united states it's uh, 4,300 square feet of greenery and we actually didn't know that we were doing that uh, until like the end of the project because the architect came to us and says, hey, do you know that there's nothing like this uh, in the entire U.S.? It's kind of, this is the largest one there is. What type of project was this? Was this like a large facility, like a hospital, or was this an apartment complex? Or? It's actually a luxury hotel called the Joseph Luxury Collection. And, you know, everybody's, of course, in trend right now with creating spaces that are good and, you know, environmentally, you know, reactive to people and people's lives. And so this is a place that you know has an entire you know receiving and reception area full of green walls we have an eighth floor also which you know is uh, for events special events and then we have a 21st floor uh, a pool area so the summers you know here in nashville this is one of the best rooftops uh, you you want to be in because it's a it's a pretty joyful place and uh, it's a total of seven green walls it contains nearly 70,000 plants in total and it's a it's a pretty pretty cool pretty cool. and like you said those are different plants than you would use here in south florida they're totally different they're not i mean we have maybe one or two specimens that we know that are doing good here and they do good over there is uh, liriope the liriope the dwarf and uh, just the regular liriope they do well over there and they do good here but everything else is uh, completely you know, Nashville's. So, okay, there's a project in Nashville, 70,000 plants. Where do you get these plants from? I mean, are they grown in South Florida? Are they grown in other countries and brought in? So we had to study this very well because we want plants that were brought up in a very similar kind of weather. We couldn't bring plants from, from South Florida, from Florida to a place like Nashville because they would have died you know soon thereafter so we study this and actually we brought this uh, from atlanta atlanta is uh, close enough and the weather is uh, somewhat similar to nashville and you know we were able to to source all the amounts that we needed and uh, and get in and program this you know with a lot of uh, with a couple of years before the installation so we were ready at the installation we were ready with everything yeah. So sometimes a large metro area in the region with a similar weather or climate, yeah. that might be where you can source plants for, yeah. for a project. In this particular case, yes. Right now, as, uh, as the years go by, uh, we have a local source in Nashville. If we need plants, we go get them. Uh, and so we're good with that. But uh, for this initial green, well, we needed someone, 
a huge provider, a huge grower that can actually has that had the capabilities to doing this, and uh, we found them in in Atlanta. What about your plants here in the showroom here in uh, Coral Gables? Are they grown in South Florida? Are they grown in in Central America? Where are these plants that we're seeing here? So everything we have here in our green walls and our showroom is all Florida grown. Uh, we work with a network of growers, and basically we're able to because we're using thousands of plants from here from Florida. Uh, we're able to you know get a, a whole lot of plant material from from different places here. We concentrate on making sure that all of these plants are good for interior spaces. So these are good for the shade or good for interior. So, you know, we just concentrate on that kind of production. Jonathan, at GeoTrek, we look in-depth at weather and climate impacts on society. I want to ask you how you're impacted by extreme weather events that happen in other places. Last winter, we had a very severe freeze in Texas, where I live on Galveston Island. The temperature got down to 20 degrees Fahrenheit. This killed a lot of the tropical plants. It's a big deal because the tourism industry in that region relies on tropical plants like palm trees for resorts and golf courses. My local friends who work in the landscaping industry said they replaced a lot of these plants from South Florida. I'm curious to learn how the Texas freeze of 2021 affected the plant industry right here in Florida. Yeah, so it was tremendous. It was like as, as if we were affected by directly by the freeze. It was just something that it underlined how important it is, you know, anything related to climate change, because we see how when something affects a city or a state, even if you don't live there, it can really affect you, like, if not instantly, almost, you know, within a few days. What happened here is that, of course, you know, we as a company, we buy thousands of plants from our suppliers here. Uh, we work with a network of growers here in South Florida. All of them supply us with interior plants, exterior plants, trees, all of that, right? So we are very accustomed to get, you know, at any given day, any given moment, have any type of plant that we like in the foliage size and whatever you, you are doing in your project, you have multiple different uh, suppliers that can give you beautiful foliage and exactly what you need and what you want, right? And during that time, you know, we saw an influx of, you know, a lot of companies and a lot of people from, from Texas really just flooding you know, our growers and our farms. And there is a sense of brotherhood, of course, with all of us, because what affects one, it, it affects us all. It was just that this almost like a dismay kind of feeling where my typical day at a, at a grower's will be, I go... I take my golf cart, I go see the plants that I need, I pick it up, and I couldn't do any of those things. The actual growers were shut down because we had trucks and trucks, you know, loading, just loading whatever we had, especially citrus and vegetable trees, uh, you know, they didn't make it uh, through the freeze. You know, we were able to supply a lot of that here, uh, the growers. And so, but we as companies that, you know, work here locally, we were left with you know, really no much options for our customers here. During that time, I remember how it was, you know, it just kind of underlined how these events, when they happened, uh, it affects us all, not just the place where it happened, but it affects us all, neighbors, uh, everybody uh, that is in charge of the supply chain, 
um, it was affected, and we 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 felt that firsthand. Jonathan, uh, such a pleasure to see you here. Congratulations on what's going on in your business, um, and thanks for taking time to come on the podcast. Any last thoughts or any you know last thing that you would leave for people to think about with green space, green walls, bringing vegetation and plants into their homes or businesses we just want to say that you know this is uh, here to stay there is a, an awareness of you know green places i just leave you with knowing that you know this is is something that will be more available to all of you we are a new generation of green living is our slogan you know i would say just try to even if you don't know plants i, I would say just give them a chance and try to get to know them even if you don't know one plant, just say, okay, let me start with one plant and care for it and show your kids uh, how to care for it because it's a very good thing to inherit to your kids. Uh, just knowing you know, how to grow your own food, how to grow you know, your own plants and how to create and have control over your environment, I think it's the ultimate freedom that we can offer to our clients and also to our family. Yeah, it's a great perspective. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How can people find you? How can people interact with you? So you could go to our website, www.andromedadistrict.com. And you could also find us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, at andromedadistrict. And that's how you get to us. You can also reach out to us via phone. Our phone number is 305-570-5542. You can text us also and uh, to that same number and we'll, we'll respond to you. And like you mentioned, I mean, you've done large projects in other states and even you'll interact with people or even ship plants in some cases to people wherever they are, right? Yes, that's exactly right. Wherever you are, we can help you and we can provide plants and, you know, our products to you. And for those of you coming to South Florida, you got to check out their showroom. It's really cool. You can just kind of walk around and see all these plants on display. Uh, we're here in Coral Gables with the GeoTrek podcast. You've been listening to Jonathan Taylor from Andromeda District. A lot of exciting stuff. Check out what they're doing online. I mean, you can just see videos and uh, social media clips and, and a lot of photos of what they're doing. It's very creative. It's very innovative. And like Jonathan said, it's something that you can do wherever you're at. What an exciting episode of the GeoTrek podcast. On this episode, we discussed the benefits of natural plants and green spaces in the urban environment, as well as in our homes and businesses. We talked a little bit about how green walls and vertical gardens cool urban spaces through evaporative cooling. We also learned about Andromeda District and the great work they're doing to establish a new generation for green living. Come along and join our online discussion for this episode on our Facebook group called GeoTrek the Community. We'll discuss the following three questions. Number one, where can you add natural plants to your daily life? Number two, what is one place in your community where you'd like to see a green wall or vertical garden? And why did you choose that place? Number three, what is one place in your community where a green wall could help fight against the urban heat island effect? Look for large, dark walls made out of concrete or brick that face southward in your community. Here in Galveston, Texas, where I live, I found a few large red brick walls that face southwest. The walls become very hot in the afternoon and evening from April through October. A green wall in this location would definitely help cool our city. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This was a really interesting episode that's very applicable to all of us. On behalf of the GeoTrek production team, this is Dr. Hal Needham. Thanks for participating in the GeoTrek podcast, and I'll catch you on the next exciting episode. 
Hey everyone, this is Dr. Hal. Thank you so much for listening to the GeoTrek podcast. If you're wondering how we come up with such interesting topics each week, we rely on an amazing global community to help direct our scientific fieldwork, articles, and podcasts. If you have an idea for a topic or can connect us to an outstanding future podcast guest, please reach out to us on our website at geo-trek.com or on our Facebook group called GeoTrek the Community. On behalf of our GeoTrek production team, this is Dr. Hal. I'll catch you on the next episode of the GeoTrek podcast.